0: went to high school with this girl who was dating this guy and he drank apple cider vinegar like did a shot of it every day because he how thought big a- of a
1: shot sorry like a full ounce
0: no like two ounces like a full like the double oh. shot glasses yeah because he thought it would make him a bodybuilder and like really buff but it did not
1: Was he also working out or was he just drinking apple cider vinegar and thought it would grow muscles?
0: I don't know. I didn't really pay that much attention to his business. Uh, I think he was working out, but like not a ton. You know what I mean? Sure. But yeah, fun fact, it did not do anything. He had that like lanky, like I'm a dirty skater boy kind of look.
1: Also, like how old were you at this time?
0: Like eighteen. So uh, every oh. lanky skater boy this age, yeah. But that's okay because apple vinegar, apple cider vinegar, sorry, and regular vinegars and all the kinds of vinegars are useful for more than just pretend muscles. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> as we'll find out today.
1: <gasps> yes! Wow! What a cohesive introduction today on
0: pantry staples. The podcast
1: where we dish on your favorite foods. I'm Marika. And I'm Emily.
0: And we crushed that.
1: We sort of did, except that now it's kind of grammatically weird because I started that sentence and I forgot that we had to introduce ourselves. Um, but, I think
0: you nailed it. I didn't even notice.
1: Cool. Good.
0: Yeah. Loved it. Um, but yeah,
1: we're talking about vinegar today.
0: We are indeed talking about vinegar in this season two on fermentation yeah, and uh, vinegar is fermented. In case y'all did not know, they might not have. Who I feel
1: knows? like I never, th- I never really think of vinegar as like fermented, which make it makes sense that it is. But
0: I just never think of vinegar.
1: I think that <laughs> I think of vinegar a lot, but I also take it for granted.
0: I think you know what it is is I just assume if there's something that needs like an acidic component to it, I'll go for like a lemon or a lime as opposed to like vinegar. You know what I mean? Um, I do. But anyways, vinegar, so good for many things. Yes. Cleaning properties I will get into later. Health benefits, which we've already... Have we discussed the health benefits? Yes. Brief. We've we agreed. talked about how they're fake. Or maybe they're real. I don't know. I have to wait for Marika's segment to find out, unfortunately. Okay. Sometimes I contemplate Googling whether or not the health benefits are real. And then I'm like, I'll just wait for Marika. Vinegar. It's an acetic acid, usually 5 to 8% by volume, in like some source of like liquid. Sometimes it has flavor compounds. It is produced by the fermentation of ethanol or sugars by acetic acid bacteria. Does this make sense? All of this seems very like, yes, we've done this before because we are now on like episode a million of fermentation.
1: Um, it does make sense, but it's also, like, I feel like we haven't heard of acetic acid bacteria. Like, that's so specific. We've heard of... Lacto. um,
0: Lactobacillic. Yeah. They're obsessed with that, aren't they? But yeah, acetic acid bacteria, they're doing something else. But, like, it makes sense that it's made with an acid. Because when we examine the root of the name... Vinegra? It means sour wine. So, like, an acidic wine, baby. Delightful. Yes. So we can trace the history of vinegar back to the start of alcohol, basically. Because when the first alcohol was being made, we can assume that vinegar was being made kind of in parallel to this. It can be made from a variety of bases. Anytime you have kind of an alcoholic fermentation, anytime you have grains, anytime you have fruit, basically anything that's just fucking sitting there. Right. <laughs> vinegar can come up. But what was the first documented example of vinegar, you might ask? I will ask. Will you, Would you like to hazard a guess? Because I feel like you could figure it out.
1: Is it in Pliny the Elder?
0: <laughs> no, but I love that you went for that. It's earlier. It's the ancient Babylonians.
1: I always forget about the Babylonians.
0: I know, and we shouldn't because they have so many things to tell us. And they the do. trouble is, is that there's such a hard time transcribing those cuneiform, however you say that word, texts that mm-hmm. in in a way that's both, like, accurate and also, like, means something. Mm. First documented use was by ancient Babylonians around 3000 BC and trace amounts have been detected on excavated Egyptian urns. So that's Mm. pretty nifty. Yeah. Ancient Greeks and Romans. We are going to get a little bit into the Romans here and I'm very sorry for focusing so heavily on them, but I also don't care. Yeah. It's
1: a pro-Roman podcast. It's a pro-Roman
0: podcast. Oh, I really need a bumper sticker that says that, but I also would need a car then. And that's a whole thing. DM us if you would buy a pro-road podcast bumper sticker. Please do. Uh, did I tell you about the time when, as a method to cheer me up, a friend of mine was like, let me tell you what I got you for Christmas. That'll make you feel better after I got into a car accident. And that's what she was trying to cheer me up from. The gift was custom bumper stickers. No. Is that not the funniest fucking shit? They were the best bumper stickers. I still have one somewhere. It's uh, what would Beyonce do. And it's the most perfect picture of her. The good thing is, like, with bumper stickers, you can put them actually on anything. Because they're stickers Yep. before anything else.
1: Rectangular stickers. (sighs) Yes. For adults.
0: So anyways, uh, ancient Greeks and Romans used vinegar in many recipes and preferred to produce it from wine, typically. A popular Mm. Spartan dish. We all know the Spartans. You know, 300, the other movie. So these Spartans... Had a dish named Meles Zomas, which was boiled pork meat and blood, and it was seasoned only with salt and vinegar. Which, like, lol, I'm obsessed with this, uh, especially because like salt,
1: I, I don't know, salt and vinegar, are kind of the same thing. I was like, we'll
0: get to it later, but yes, accurate. Also, like the chips, it's Ugh. basically just like a pork chip. It's a pork
1: chip, blood chips,
0: a blood, ch- the blood chips of the Spartans. Rawr! It's very Spartan. It is very Spartan. That's, yeah. I know. I'm kind of obsessed with the Spartans, but also I don't fuck with any Greeks because, as you know, pro-Roman podcast. And also just, like, I find the source material lacking. Anyways. um,
1: I love the Greeks. I grew up on Dallaire's mythology.
0: I can't with you right now. Get out mm. of my face. Hippocrates writes in On the Articulations in Part 86, uh, which is a decoction of honeycombs and vinegar is to be given for drink. Anytime somebody has like a fever that's resulted in your, like a a fever, that's a result of your foot being fucked up. Specific. Uh, (laughs) I know. He also mentions vinegar in on injuries of the head in part 14, where he says, (laughs) and along with the tents apply a cataplasm consisting of mass like mazo. A fine flour pounded in vinegar or boiled so as to render it as glutinous as possible. I didn't, like, quote the entire passage because it's fucking gross. But basically what it is is, like, open up a head wound and, like, stick some shit in there. Like vinegar? With flour. Yeah. And some other shit. Like, they're holding it open. It is not a good time. Hippocrates, he's doing his best, but it's a tragedy on like every level yeah uh now we have a mention of the biles because that's very important in a word the acidity of vinegar agrees rather with those who are troubled with bitter bile than those patients whose bile is black for the bitter principle is dissolved in it and turned to phlegm by being suspended in it whereas black bile is fermented swells up and is multiplied thereby for vinegar is a melanagogue. Melanagogue? I don't know. Vinegar is more prejudicial to women than men for it creates pain in the uterus. So just an FYI, we need to be careful around the vinegar because our uterus is, you know, as per Hippocrates, as per Hippocrates, who's the only man who knows anything about anything. <laughs> now, would you like to hear some things from Livy? Yeah, sure. He writes in his histories of Rome about uh, Hannibal crossing the Alps for uh-huh. the Carthaginian Wars. Hannibal was such a little bitch like everyone wanted to think that he was so cool but here's the thing elephants cannot survive in the cold and if you knew anything about elephants you would know this and as elephants are my favorite animal I know some things about them and they shouldn't have done that
1: yeah it just seems like one of those things where it's like he was trying very hard but yeah truly didn't have a good plan it was just like
0: and it was like an aesthetic decision was, like, instead of a decision based in, like, facts, you know? Like, he was just like, my elephants look so cool, I can't go without them. But it's like, no, Hannibal,
1: no. It's also very telling that, like, Napoleon was super into Hannibal Ugh. and also attempted to, like, conquer Russia with, like, an absurd army where it's like, bro, scorched earth policy, you're going to lose.
0: First of all, you know I don't understand Napoleon, but I agree. <laughs> this Second is the... Hand in the... Oh, yes. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> Second of all, I just hate him so much. I hate Hannibal. And when they go to fucking Carthage and just, like, salt earth literally that situation. Mm-hmm. Potentially, literally. Nobody really knows what happened because the historical records are a disaster. But anyways. Yep. But, like, salt earth that situation because his fucking elephants suck so bad. Because he killed all of the ones that had been scare quotes trained in the alps so he was like stuck with all these newbie elephants and it's not their fault that they were very afraid when a bunch of people were screaming and shooting at them with like cannons and stuff not cannons but like you know what's the medieval cannon the ones that were really tall and they throw like fireballs
1: trebuchets
0: thank you exactly anyways so, this is Livy writing on it. Mm. At last, when men and beasts alike were worn out by their fruitless ex- exertions, a camp was formed on the summit. After the place had been cleared with immense difficulty owing to the quantity of snow that had to be removed, the next thing was to level the rock through which alone a road was practicable. The soldiers built up against it an enormous pile of tall trees which they had felled and lopped, and when the wind was strong enough to blow up the fire, they set fire to the pile. When the rock was red hot, they poured vinegar upon it to disintegrate it. After thus treating it by fire, they opened a way through it with their tools and eased the steep slope by winding tracks of moderate gradient so that not only the baggage animals, but even the elephants could be led down. So basically they used vinegar to melt some rocks. Seems fake, but okay. It does seem fake. (laughs) Everything about vinegar seems fake. Are you ready for my next fake fact? Yes. Pliny wrote in his book, Natural Histories, Chapter 9, that Cleopatra... You're, like, jazzed already about this. I'm I am. jazzed I just about love Pliny. I love Pliny, and I love Cleopatra. I love her so fucking much, I can't even talk about it. Anyways, mm. she's just... Oh, she's so fucking dumb, and I love it. But also smart and hot and, like, ugly at the same time. You know what I mean? She's smart and dumb yeah. and hot and ugly. Oh, she's a woman of many <laughs> multitudes. Anyways... That Cleopatra, the queen of Egypt, made a bet with the Roman general, Mark Anthony, hashtag her lover, not just the Roman general, let's not forget. Rip, mm-hmm. Rip indeed. Ugh. That she could host the most expensive banquet costing 10 million sesterces. Again, I refuse to do convergence on this podcast. No. He laughed at her, but during the meal, for the dessert, she had a bowl of strong vinegar brought out and dissolved a pearl of inestimable value in it. And then drank the resulting potion. That's fucking metal. It is very metal. Right? Everything about Cleopatra is just so extreme, which I relate to on a spiritual level. (laughs) So then we have Roman writer Columella describing the use of vinegar here in this kind of quote to protect lentils from being eaten by weevils, which is like adorable that that's what they're worked up about. He says, Mm -hmm. mixed with vinegar and again dried in the sun and presently after cooling, that it be stored away. And that's the best way to keep your lentils safe. Uh, In the Bible, it said that the Romans offered Jesus a drink of vinegar immediately. One of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and ordered it to Jesus to drink. That's Matthew 27, 48.
1: That just seems mean. Like, that seems like torture. Like, I understand (gasps) that people do drink vinegar and that's going to be the basis of most of me talking later. But it's just like, oh, you're so thirsty and like drying out on a fucking crucifix in the hot sun. Here's some vinegar to drink.
0: I think one, it is very cruel because obviously you get the good wine out, but like they didn't. And two, it's not that cruel because like everybody was drinking vinegar wine at this time because everything was vinegar wine. You know I I'm guess saying? I
1: forget that it's vinegar wine. I'm just thinking it's like if I was really thirsty, it's I not like a cup of red white,
0: wine. No, or like the super intense, like white vinegar that you like use as a cleaning product. Like it's mm. not that. Uh, it's like some wine that's just more sour than other stuff.
1: True. But uh, again, wine is dehydrating Just water, but I guess water's poisonous so. Exactly,
0: this is literally the whole thing Against water at all times In like, any time before, basically now So Roman legionaries were said to drink Pusca, which is a mixture of vinegar, water And herbs, and it's known as poor man's wine And it was like this big symbol Of being like, of the people If you, mm. as like a Roman like Emperor, or like a big time general Were to sit and drink Pusca With the guys, you know So we have like all the, Like, there's so many examples of different generals who are like, yes, I totally did this, and I drank the Posca, and we just sat there and chucked shit, and blah, blah, blah. Right, are you ready to hear some things that are not about Romans? Yes. Okay, so in China, during the Su Dynasty, which is 1046 to 256 BC, so a very long time, uh, <laughs> professionalization of vinegar production began. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I feel like Asia loves the vinegar, Yes. I say this with no real basis, but just a lot of feeling.
1: Well, I feel like Asian cuisine is really good at having a balance. Like, we we're talking about this with Thai mm-hmm. food, where it's like the balance of the sweet, salty, sour. Uh, Bitter, sour. sour. hmm
0: Yeah. God bless. And the umami. Mm-mm-mm. I feel mm-hmm. like white people food just was like, umami, that's ew.
1: Yeah, no, we're just like... I mean, maybe the Italians with, like,
0: anchovies, but... Mm-hmm, anchovies. Production was centered in what is now the Shanxi province. Many royal households, like noble households as well, had specific people to act as the vinegar maker, which is super oh. cool. So, mm-hmm. this is mentioned in Suli, a book that details bureaucratic and organizational theory and gives a picture of this developing role in wealthier and powerful households, as well as an indication of the popularity and like the high use of vinegar in Eastern Asia. So, like, if it's Big enough of a thing for you to have a specific person to do it. Pretty freaking big and pretty cool, right? Yeah. Anyways, uh, the many uses of vinegar, both culinary and medicinal, are written down in Kimi Yaoshu, a text on ancient Chinese agriculture, which is probably written around 544 BC. So we have this, like, long tradition and, like, this very central role. And also, again, like, this professionalization, I think, is what we really need to focus on here. This isn't just oops, we've done it again with the liquor, and now we have vinegar as well. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, we're actively seeking this out, which is pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Vinegar production in the Middle Ages focused on a formalized fermentation and aging process. So now we're not just doing professional, we're doing formal. Like, Mm. I feel like the Middle Ages is when everyone's like, we have a guild, we have a union, we have a way of things. Everybody's obsessed with their shit then.
1: Because otherwise everyone would have have nothing.
0: Thank God for the Black Plague. Like, obviously, Trey sad that everybody died. But, like, that really helped people out, hey?
1: Yeah, the promotion. The upward mobility.
0: The upward mobility is so real. Hashtag Crispin forever. (laughs) R.I.P. Check out our last episode so you can hear all about Crispin. Maybe it was the episode before. I don't know. It was like four episodes ago, but okay. Who cares? It's a book I read as a kid. So 1394, we have Vinegar Corporation upgraded to Guild Mastership and was part of the initiation ceremony. Uh, You have to make a solemn oath to never reveal the secrets of vinegar fabrication. I love it. So that's pretty intense, right? I love it. <laughs> I know. That same year, in order to respond to the mi- demand for a profitable market for vinegar, a group of wine merchants developed a continuous fabrication system, which is called the Orleans Method, which is a place in France, obviously, that became very famous for excellent quality vinegar. And this process is quite well known. So I have a quote, the Orleans process is one of the oldest and well-known methods of production of vinegar. It is a slow, continuous process, which originated in France. High-grade vinegar is used as a starter culture, to which wine is added at weekly intervals. The wine, or sorry, the vinegar is fermented in large, approximately 200 liter capacity barrels. Approximately 65 to 70 liters of high-grade vinegar is added to a barrel along with 15 liters of water. After one week, a further 10 to 15 liters of water are added and it is repeated at weekly intervals. After about four weeks, vinegar can be withdrawn from the barrel, 10 to 15 liters per week, as more wine is added to replace the vinegar. One of the problems encountered with this method is that of how to add more liquid to the barrel without disturbing the floating bacterial mat. This can be mm. overcome by using a glass tube, which reaches the bottom of the barrel. Additional liquid is poured in through the tube and therefore does not disturb the bacteria. Wood shavings, this is a big, big thing that they talk about, uh, are sometimes added to the fermentation barrel to help support the bacterial mat. So that's a long quote and like a lot of like kind of science, 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 science stuff. But like, cool, right? Like they have yeah. this really like quite sophisticated, I think, especially for the times. Not to like dismiss the Middle Ages of not being sophisticated, but like very sophisticated. Dismiss- them. Yeah, they're yeah, disgusting. Especially they're in, dis- like, France, please. They're throwing pee out windows like everything's a nightmare. I think that's my biggest issue with the Middle Ages. It's nothing else. It's just the pee out the windows. They had no sewage. It was a yeah. disaster. We all need sewage. God bless the sewage systems we currently have. How- it's the only reason we like the Romans. Wow. <laughs> uh... You heard it here first, folks. This is the end of the podcast. Marika has just thrown down a fucking axe in my heart. It's fine. I do it on purpose. So, anyways. So, we have these kind of professionalization and, like, industrialized methods that are being developed across Europe at this time. uh, Specifically in Orleans. Uh, Moderna in Italy is becoming quite famous for its balsamic vinegar. We will, like, I'll talk about it for a hot second and then you'll talk about it more. Malt mm. vinegar made of ale being really popular in England. Uh, <laughs> one thing I did want to say about Moderna's balsamic was that it became even more famous after the Napoleonic Wars. Who knows which Napoleon? Because it was <laughs> sold by the French troops abroad, which I think is hilarious. It's just like you're out on campaign, but also got to get that cash, y'all. It's very special. Yeah. So, loved that for them. Uh, Vinegar, well known by European alchemists of the Middle Ages. So, I thought this was super duper cool. After pouring vinegar on lead, they produced lead sugar. Scare quotes, scare quotes, scare quotes. (laughs) Real scared. Uh, Which was used to sweeten cider until the 19th century. Actual lead? Horrifying. Yeah, people are still using lead and we are like casual about it. It's insanity. Um, uh, unfortunately, lead acetate being a poison resulted in the deaths of several cider drinkers. But these alchemists believe that without vinegar, there's not much that could actually be done in the field of alchemy, which is fascinating. There's even a symbol, which is like basically a cross with four dots in like the holes. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the symbol for bread, isn't it? No, no. There's one for vinegar. The bread one is very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the Hmm. alchemist stole it. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Probably. So then let's talk plague because, you know, we have no idea what that's like. I can't stop mentioning the plague. I'm so sorry. It's very important. It's topical. Yeah. So, during the plague in France, and there's so many plagues. It's not like there's just one, but I wanted to mention the specific one. Uh, 1721, four thieves, this is a, like, wives' tale, but I'm obsessed with it, managed to rob a home that was inhabited by victims that had the plague. Mm. So, they went into this house, they robbed it, but the people that were in there had the plague. This would be super dangerous and, like, likely to kill you. But these robbers didn't get sick, apparently. Apparently. Apparently! Apparently! They attribute it to drinking daily large quantities of vinegar with garlic. So to this day, this is known as the four thieves cure. Is this not excellent? I'm obsessed. You're making a
1: face at me. I'm making a face just thinking. Um, I'm thinking because there's like a cleaning products company that's like natural that's called Thieves.
0: Oh, interesting. And
1: I wondered if it has to- do
0: I bet this. you it's exactly about that.
1: It involves a lot of cloves though. Like all of their products smell like cloves.
0: I love the smell of cloves because my mom used to make those orange stuffed things mm. with cloves in them. Ooh, those smell so Christmassy to me. King Louis XIII was said to have spent 1.3 million. Shall I repeat that for you? Million francs. Per battle on vinegar to clean his cannons. No comment further. So the aristocrats, which I can't help but think of the aristocats when I say that word, sorry. Mm -hmm. Held sponges dipped in vinegar to their noses to neutralize the foul smell of sewage. Again, God bless the Romans.
1: Because nobody bathed.
0: Yeah, if you were bathing in Roman times, the chances of you dying were so high because it's just, like, a fucking walking staff infection.
1: Oh, gross. Um, I was just talking about, like, the, the aristica- cats.
0: <laughs> the Aristocats, yes. None of the Aristocats bathe; They just licked themselves very heavily. Uh, same with the Aristocrats. Please continue. Myself. Um, anyways, they held sponges dipped in vinegar to their noses to neutralize the foul smell of sewage and waste prevention. Or, like, not waste prevention, sorry. The waste that was prevalent at the time. I can't even read my own notes.
1: It's just, like, loose.
0: It's just loose shit. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I haven't said the C word in so long on this podcast. Good for me. You're
1: banned. Yeah, sure. I don't
0: think I'm banned. Not officially. (laughs) A little bit. A little bit. <clears throat> Anyways, little silver tins called vinaigrettes were used to carry these soaked sponges, which were kept in the knobs of their walking sticks, apparently. Which I'm obsessed with this visual. Yes! Vinegar was also used for bodily hygiene, yidoi. At the courts of Versailles, the ladies used it both for their ablutions and medicinal uses.
1: Okay. Why so just make- like rinse your pits with vinegar?
0: Yeah, and then I assume like you got a yeast infection, just like shove some up there, you know. That seems worse, but okay. I'm not saying that they did that. That's me putting words in the mouths of Marie Antoinette. <laughs> so many have done that before. We yeah, don't need to, yep. but uh, I'm just saying like that's an example
1: uh,
0: of a bodily uh-huh. function that yes. potentially somebody needed to deal with, and vinegar was often used for these things. 19th century industrialization. I don't really care about the 19th century, to be totally honest with you, but we're here anyways. It changed the way that vinegar was traditionally produced slash fermented. Carl Sebastian Schusenbach, in the Kingdom of Baden, which is now South Germany, uh, in 1823 he devised a means of reducing fermentation time from months to weeks, which obviously has massive implications on the cost and also the quality. mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, YOLO. By his method, alcohol was circulated over beechwood shavings. Again, these shavings, uh, in something known as a packed generator. So then around the 1850s, we have Mata Zayomon Nakano, a man from a traditional sake brewing family who discovered that sake leaves could be used to make rice vinegar, which was super important because sushi was taking off then and they needed like, all the rice vinegar they could get to kind of keep up with the production of it. Yeah, I always forget mm -hmm. that sushi's
1: that, like, late in the...
0: I know! Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard to remember because you're just like, oh, yes, ancient sushi, delicious. But it's not. It's, like, the junk food of the Japanese people. Yeah. His company, Mizkan, is the largest vinegar producer in the world. God bless the Japanese. (laughs) They've never done a single thing wrong ever in the entirety of humanity.
1: Please refer to multiple earlier episodes of this podcast.
0: Please note my <laughs> <laughs> So 20th century, the submerged fermentation process was developed and fermentation time was again reduced, this time one to two days. Mother Whoa. vinegar is being added to increase speed. So basically that's what it is. It's all about having your mother vinegar up in this bitch. Mm-hmm. So now I just kind of wanted to tell you some popular vinegars, if you'll allow me.
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: Persimmon vinegar, popular in South Korea.
1: Persimmons. I've never had a persimmon, have you?
0: You've never had a persimmon?
1: I don't really eat fruit.
0: I hate that you don't eat fruit. It's honestly the biggest issue in our friendship. I know. Oh. <sighs>
1: Say it every time.
0: They're Perry's favorite fruit. Shout out to Perry who, if you're listening, did you know that you can get persimmons that are kind of overripe and then you put them in the freezer and then they're basically like froyo or something? I don't know. I saw a thing on Gastro Obscura. Seemed pretty cool. Check that out, Perry. (laughs) And I guess anyone else who's into persimmons, but they're her faves. Do you know you can get vanilla persimmons at Christmas? I don't know what they do, but they're fucking delicious. Riga, you got to try these. Serious. Do you promise?
1: I already know I won't like it.
0: How do you know you won't like it? The texture is very nice. I think that's probably, like, a big thing. I'll try it. I'll try it. Anyways. Huhube, Jube, we don't know how it's pronounced, vinegar, and wolfberry vinegar. Both of those are really popular in China, apparently. Kiwi vinegar by our fave kiwis in New Zealand.
1: (laughs) So on brand.
0: And also China later. Uh, Now, Middle Eastern countries, we have a lot of, like, date, pomegranate, and raisin vinegars. And then in, like, the Philippines, India, Sri Lanka, not that those are all, like, the same place, but, like, there's coconut and palm vinegar that's popular in a lot of the cuisines. Uh, Balsamic vinegar is a DOC project, or project, product, which basically means... Germany, something or blah, 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 blah. What does it stand for again? Uh, controlled. Basically, it just means you control. Germany,
1: Dori Origin Controlled. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I could That's not pronounce French that in my it, state. Right. Yeah. Um. Basically, it just means that like the product has to come from a specific area, and there's like regulations around the production of it. So if you're yes. getting actual like balsamic vinegar, it has to be aged from 12 to 15 years to qualify. Mm. Otherwise, it's just some fake ass shit from balsam or, like, from that area, whatever. Traditionally, it's aged in balsam wood, but does not actually contain the balsam, like... Because it's not wood. It's, like, a... I don't want to say, like, a fungus, but it's, like, a thang, you know?
1: Yeah, I actually didn't look up that in my...
0: It's, like, a thing that's on the wood. And I'm pronouncing thang, T-H-A-N-G, just in case anyone needs, like, that to help them clear it up. No, we all got that, yeah. Cool, just wanted to make sure. Uh, Then this is my favorite fact because it's about Canada, which is where we're from and we love Canada very deeply, or we have many issues with it, but both can be true. Some countries prohibit the sale of vinegar over a certain percentage of acidity. As an example, the government of Canada limits the acetic acid of vinegars to between 4.1 and 12.3% unless it is sold only for manufacturing use and identified as such.
1: Well, I'll jump right in with Ye Vinegar and Health, which has been uh, sort of my standard starting point for most of this season on fermentation. The um, Ye Old. Like, I love it. Yeah, we're going back to that. In recent years, there's been lots of hubbub about vinegar, specifically apple cider vinegar. Um, and it's been acclaimed to have supposed miracle health benefits. So you if you look on the internet, it will be telling you that it's you're going to lose weight. You're going to boost your energy. It'll be a good detox.
0: Detox, that's a loaded <sighs> term, hey?
1: It totally is. I read a great thing where they're just like, detox is a super like buzzword. And it's very dumb because the body just naturally detoxifies itself, a.k.a. what kidneys and livers are for.
0: So. It's like, unless you are missing those, don't worry about it.
1: But what does the research actually say? So there are definitely actually, like, some good things about vinegar. um. According to Consumer Reports, which is a great magazine that I trust, hmm. it has zero calories except for balsamic vinegar, which actually has around, like, 5 to 27 calories per tablespoon, which is, like, still chill.
0: Makes sense because it's the best one of them.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, creamy and thick. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yum.
1: <laughs> Um, it can also be used as a sodium-free... I just mm. wanted
0: to mention, so much of what we actually consume as, like, balsamic vinegar, in scare quotes, is actually just, like, a lot of, like, fucking, like, syrup. It's, like, oh, yeah, Mm. it's, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. real balsamic vinegar, and so potentially that has something to do with it. Yes. Please continue.
1: Just vinegar in general, like, a basic... I don't know, red wine. I guess uh, vinegar can be used as a sodium-free salt substitute because the acidity will brighten your food. So if you're, like, concerned about sodium, you could use just vinegar instead, That's
0: fucking genius! I guess. I mean,
1: uh, as someone who's never been on a salt-free diet, I don't really understand, but I know that some people are. So, yeah, just vinegar, I guess.
0: The only person I know who should eat less salt is, like, everyone.
1: Just men in the States.
0: Yeah, that's basically what I was getting at. Um,
1: I also read this one study that was looking at vinegar as a possible reducer for postprandial glycemia. Which uh. is science, science, science mm-hmm. for an early indicator of a cardiovascular disease. And I think it seems like it's really linked to diabetes. Okay. Um, There are a number of actual like approved drugs that can lower this risk. Um, But I guess obviously people are always looking for other options and trying to study vinegar and stuff. So this one (laughs) study did find that um, they found that two teaspoons of vinegar was effective when ingested during meals uh, containing complex carbohydrates. So it doesn't work as well if it's ingested a few hours before eating or with overly processed foods, like, sweetened with corn syrup and stuff.
0: So just get some mashed potatoes, put some vinegar on them. No more diabetes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so yes, it's effective. Like, a single dose of vinegar will reduce uh, your postprandial glycemia by up to 50%, but only under these, like, very specific conditions. Like, you have to be having it like, take Hmm. a little teaspoon while you're eating your food and like don't be eating terrible other foods it's like maybe just not eating processed foods is
0: again the attempt to study actual food like health benefits is so intensely like, convoluted
1: yeah so basically like all the health stuff with vinegar as we've been saying the whole season with fermented foods in general uh do shots of vinegar or diluted in water or juice if you want to But don't expect it to make you live forever.
0: Just, like, take all things with a grain of salt or vinegar if you're on a low-sodium diet. (laughs) (laughs) Ew!
1: Yes. I also feel like we should make the caveat that, like, vinegar is a literal acid, so it can erode your tooth enamel and inflame your esophagus and stomach, so just, like... Careful. Don't. Just, like, shoot it straight.
0: This is, like, when I ate a whole pineapple, like, a lot of times, and my mouth hurt. I think that I'm
1: a little bit allergic to pineapple, and I think a lot of people are. Like, does your tongue get fuzzy?
0: Of course it gets fuzzy. Everyone's allergic to pineapple It is literally a very, very harsh fruit to love. And yet here I am loving it anyways. Yeah. I Tattooed it on on my body.
1: (sighs) Would you like to hear some pioneer remedies involving vinegar? (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm just going to list all these. Okay, so vinegar bath can be used to soothe, question mark, a burn
0: seems dangerous please continue seems
1: like a bad choice um open sores were often treated with a constantly applied wash made of equal parts vinegar and water
0: that seems like it was probably just the water that did it
1: um yeah i mean i guess i get like the vinegar like mm. it's an antimicrobial um Is it anyway. really um yes i will get there no. okay um warts can apparently be removed by soaking a copper penny in vinegar for three days, then painting the warty area in question with the penny liquid.
0: Grody AF.
1: This is like all those things
0: that are like, put Coke and do this, and then next thing you know, it'll strip paint off of whatever.
1: Oh, yes. The thing is like any like pioneer remedies are basically just the um, old timey versions of like Facebook life hacks.
0: Oh, God bless both of those things those dumb fucks.
1: Yes. Um another wart cure. Soak raw beef in vinegar for 24 hours, then wear it tied to the wart for a week.
0: That's disgusting
1: and so impractical.
0: Yeah. That's the kind of shit that someone who like works in the field cannot do. Have you ever had a wart? I will tell you that I have just in case you're embarrassed about it.
1: No, I'm just trying to think. I know I have like a plantar's ward on my foot that I've never like properly dealt with, but that's just like, cause it doesn't cause me pain. So I'm just like, eh, it's
0: fine. I feel like I had a bunch of plantar's wards. I feel like my feet are again, disgusting. <laughs> I've never had them on my hands though. And that's all that it really matters to me. Yeah. I'll just never be a foot model.
1: R.I.P. <sighs> um, okay. What have you ever had a sprained
0: ankle or a sprain of any kind? I think you need to do physical activity for that, don't you? Yes. No, uh, I've had broken fingers, but no sprains.
1: All right. Well, if you did have a sprain, you could soak cloths in a mixture containing one pint of cider vinegar with a half pint of turpentine. (laughs) Along (laughs) with three beaten eggs and then wrap that around uh, your swollen body part.
0: Cool. I love that we're just casually throwing turpentine into the mix now. Turpentine was in so many of these things, which I,
1: like, didn't necessarily write down because I was focusing on vinegar, but I was like, whoa. Um, okay, if you had a headache, for example, you could steep horseradish leaves in boiling vinegar and then, uh, I guess, drink it?
0: Okay, here's the thing. I'm obsessed with all these, like, old-timey, like, kind of mustardy remedies. Like, (laughs) have you ever had a mustard plaster? No. No, me either, but I want one so bad. Did you ever read those Dear Diaries? They were, like, Dear... No, it was Dear Canada, and they were, like, these books for kids, like, especially girls, and they were diaries of, like, young pioneer women in Canada, and they always had, like, kind of, like, an... Not old-timey, but, like, old-timey that looks old-timey to, like, 10-year-olds kind of cover, and then I think that they had, like, a ribbon bookmark in them, and the pages were kind of, like, roughly cut at the edges, and you're like, ooh, these are so fancy, I was yes. fucking obsessed. Anyways, yeah. they use mustard plasters all the time and nobody's ever used one on me and it's a goddamn tragedy.
1: Um, I definitely read those books. I think I I read the, there's one about a girl who goes to Ontario and I think I read the one with like the prairies. And then there was a similar but like sort of like adjacent like a series, mm-hmm. series is the word, yeah. where it was like more like European royals and there was one and it was.
0: Oh, that sounds so good.
1: I want to say Mary Queen of Scots,
0: which I read. I feel like I did read that too. Actually, now that we're talking about it, there was one of the Dear Canada diaries though that was set in Vancouver, which is pretty cool, and it was like in Chinatown.
1: Very oh fun. Very actually, that upsetting. does also strike a memory.
0: Yeah, very very upsetting. Um, next time I'm sick, will you please give me a mustard plaster? I beg of you. Sure. Do you pinky promise? Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Continue.
1: Um, okay. Apparently, oh, this one's actually cool. At the height of the smallpox epidemic in Kansas in 1899, people were advised to keep pitchers of apple cider vinegar just, like, out on their tables and (laughs) drink from it constantly. Like, like drink from it all the time. Ew. And the article doesn't, like, fully explain it because I don't think they know, but the death toll
0: plummeted
1: after drinking vinegar became, like, a norm. Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my god, so not related, but sort of related. When Perry and I went to the catacombs in Paris, they said that, like, because there were so many rotting plague bodies, that, like, the death literally curdled the wine and turned it to vinegar. Ew. Super fun fact there. That's disgusting. Yeah, horrible.
1: Um, last but not least, ingesting sugar cube soaked in vinegar or four gulps of sweetened vinegar will apparently cure hiccups. So.
0: Have you ever had like really intense hiccups? Yes. Really? It's bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oof. I think I've had them for like maybe 20 seconds at the most. And that was like, oh, I feel oh like
1: boy. Yeah.
0: You've had them for much longer, hey?
1: it's always one of those weird things where it's like you can't remember when it started so you can't remember like like tracking the time when it stopped but i feel like i've had like there have been times when i've had that for like at least an hour
0: oh my god yeah that's horrifying okay vinegar and cleaning okay
1: you even mentioned this before before we even like brought it up but vinegar has long been recognized as an effective natural cleaning pot product. hashtag cat pee Yeah, and I mean, certainly, like, growing up with my, like, semi-hippie existence, this (laughs) is very much the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to do some research and, like, figure out if it actually works, though. So, there's lots of articles comparing commercial cleaners and natural alternatives, which I will get to. Um, But then this one that... I don't know, like, we, we don't really have time to get into this, but it was, like, very interesting. This, like, article that I skimmed, it was talking about the interconnectedness of hygiene and design throughout the 20th century.
0: Oh, fascinating.
1: Which is, like, super related to the bread conversation of, mm-hmm. like, last week, two weeks, and, like, cleanliness and modern aesthetics. And it was talking about how, like, in the minds of a lot of consumers, a, like, quote-unquote sparkling white surface is basically the visual indication of a clean surface. Accurate. I
0: can't help it. That's me.
1: Yeah. So there's this one like survey that they're doing and that there was a participant that acknowledged that they were less keen on natural cleaners like vinegar or baking soda because those natural cleaners didn't achieve that shine or sparkle. Which I feel like is interesting because I feel like, like, I clean my sink with vinegar and baking soda and it
0: gets super shiny. It does. And, like, that's the only stuff that I'll use to clean my oven with because it freaks me out putting all those chemicals in a space where I'm just going to, like, heat those chemicals up and then cook food in. Yeah. And, like, my oven's sparkly AF, y'all.
1: Yeah. So I don't know what they're talking about. Like, Mm. I guess you don't really need those chemicals. But I guess if you've always grown up on, like, chemical cleaners and expect a kind of... Chemical
0: shine? I have to say, I'm literally addicted to Windex.
1: Well, Windex is different.
0: I it's think. different, but it's, like, the one chemical, like, cleaning product that I will never go without. <laughs>
1: um. Okay, another weird pitfall that's sort of, like, in the category of, like, natural cleaners. Mm. Um. As more and more people seem to be turning to those natural cleaners, it's the idea of a, quote-unquote, green product. Oh. I am I know we've talked about on this podcast that the, f- the word and term natural in and of itself is, like, super meaningless. And it's just a bu- buzzword when and it like, comes so to commercial loaded. products. It's super loaded and it has no basis in, like, fact. Like, people will use natural interchangeably with organic, even though they're completely different in terms of, like, regulation.
0: Exactly. The regulation is the thing, right? And, like, some people spend so much money trying to get, like, X, Y, and Z product noted as organic but like what does that mean?
1: Yeah and and but carrying off of that like a lot of company like cleaning supply companies in particular will mm-hmm. go really far to use claims that like sound good like natural, mm-hmm. but are basically meaningless. So saying that a product for example is CFC phosphate or solvent free could be true but isn't clear if the product in question would ever have contained those substances in the first place. Mm -hmm. which is like a classic example um another tactic is using imagery with no obvious connection to the product or its manufacture or disposal so the article that i was reading is like dolphins being of like a super popular like just having dolphins on your (sighs) packaging
0: and that shit makes me feel so healthy
1: yeah and like Then there's other classic ones. Like I'm sure, and whoever's listening to this, something's immediately coming to your mind, but like flowers, the sun, like I was thinking a
0: flower field.
1: Totally. All of those images, uh, really hint at environmental friendliness, but without like an actual, like tangible, provable link. Trash. Yes. Um, okay. But how well does vinegar alone actually work? I read a 1994 lab test comparing the efficacy of quote-unquote alternative household cleaners, i.e. vinegar, um, against commercial products. This seems to have come about after a UK-based study concluded that kitchen work surfaces were potential sites of contamination that needed more attention. The researchers were concerned that, quote, housewives are content if their kitchen appears to be clean.
0: Oh, everybody's so mad at the housewives constantly. Yeah. Again, Ugh. that's
1: why I had to include that quote.
0: I hate that so much. I know it's hilarious.
1: Um, so for this one article that I read, the researchers took sections of laminate tile and then painted them with a soil mixture of like a bunch of gross stuff, like sebum, black carbon, grease, dirt, and microbe cultures. Ew. Yeah, it was very gross. There was, like, a full list of, like, the ingredients of all the stuff that they'd make to make the soil.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: but, yes, in terms of results, on the whole, the natural or alternative cleaners were not as effective as the intense chemically ones because... You doy. <sighs> Fair enough. However, vinegar proved to be the most effective alternative cleaner in reducing bacteria from the surfaces. Like, it was, it was basically comparable to the super chemical ones.
0: That's very exciting, I have to say.
1: Yeah, it wasn't as good at removing, like, the soil. But the authors of the articles expressed that it's just not efficient. Like, it's basically like, you've got to scrub harder if you're using vinegar.
0: When you say the soil, do you mean, like, the physical dirt that you can see with your eyes as opposed to the germs?
1: I think so. I mean, it's a bit tricky because I think it's a British... Mm. paper. So I think when they're saying soil, like it just means like muck, Mm. like not like dirt. Like I was thinking of it like in terms of like a British, I'm like, it's soiled.
0: Ah, yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Like you've got to scrub harder with vinegar, but like
0: that's... You have to scrub hard with everything. I
1: know. So yeah. So yeah. Vinegar is, uh, is good. We can, we can rest easy. All right. Let's talk about balsamic vinegar. Yes. Uh, so, balsamic, the original, like, tradizionale.
0: Tradizionale.
1: <laughs> Balsamico um, originates in Modena, Italy, mm-hmm. which is, like, central, northernish, kind mm-hmm. of near Bologna. Bologna. <laughs> Bologna. Um, Sorry, I had it's to. Where, you have to. Uh, it's where Ferraris are from, so.
0: It's a pretty fancy spot.
1: Yeah, and also balsamic vinegar, which is, like, a serious, serious deal there. Little bottles of traditional balsamico can sell for around $150. Wow. Which actually makes sense once you get into, like, the true sort of, um, like heritage practice of making this balsamic. So according to the Modenese, it's impossible to make true balsamic vinegar anywhere outside of Modena, which like, that's like all wine
0: and- Ugh, terroir. Okay, continue.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It's truly terroir. It's just, they're like the air, the humidity, the grapes, like all of that matters. And it is DOC as we were talking about earlier. Mm. Back in like the middle ages, balsamic vinegar mothers used to be given as priceless dowries. <gasps> if they were not married. I did not research that. That's so cool. Oh yeah. And it's like a whole thing where people will like not, like you have to basically win someone's like trust for them to give you some of their balsamic vinegar.
0: Kind of like the sourdough starters of like, you know, like that just like any yes. starter in general is so linked to like your family and your tradition and your culture.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the fun thing that we've been seeing with a lot of these fermented products, where Mm -hmm. when they're made truly in the traditional, like, home-fermented, home-brewed sense, it's, these are precious commodities.
0: Exactly. And then, like, where, how are we, like, juxtapositioning this, like, really precious, like, item, food source? With this mass-produced thing, and like, where did those two come together? In the twelve-dollar balsamic that you have in your kitchen, because it's not balsamic.
1: No, and I, yeah, and like anyone from Modena would be like, (laughs) yeah, like not even. But you think we now exist in a world where you can have both? Yeah, both can exist, and that's that's a good thing.
0: Isn't that lovely?
1: So to make the traditional balsamic, they use a method similar to the Creantha method of sherry aging, mm-hmm. which is where you basically have a bunch of different barrels, um, ranging from like oldest to most recent. And you add a little bit of the newest stuff to the oldest, like the mother barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from there you trickle down. So the oldest to the second oldest and so on. So that's trickle down economics,
0: down. is it not? It's,
1: it's trickle-down balsamics. Um, <laughs> where you, and so that's why you can have, like, I mean, everything's aged, like, super aged, but you could even have, like, a bit of 100-year-old balsamic in, like, a 12-year kind of thing. God, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, So every year, an expert from the Balsamic Vinegar Consortium visits all the little, like, family-run ascetias to make sure that they're doing everything properly. Which is super important because, according to this, um, like, chapter from this book I read, like, a bad batch of balsamic can literally destroy a family.
0: (gasps) I'm obsessed.
1: Which, I mean, kind of makes sense because these small operations only produce like two liters of balsamic a year holy shit like they harvest they just harvest in january and like the most that they'll get because this is like such precious like it gets so like thick and distilled or like fermented and Mm -hmm. yeah so you only get like two liters wow and that's why like true balsamic is so like secretive and expensive
0: that's wild
1: My first um, interaction to, like, true, like, traditional Modenese balsamic was when I was working at the, like, Dolce Gelato, RIP, they've since closed, um, in Crescent, in White Rock Beach.
0: I was gonna say, this is the place where you developed your scooping arms.
1: I did develop my scooping arms, and it was great. It was, like, one of the best jobs I ever had. It was so good. And they were, like, true Italians. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had like some friends who were just like, they'd like just sit on the side and like drink their little espressitos and, um, <laughs> and they were trying to like talk to my, like the owners of the gelato place and be like, do you think that people would be interested in like actual balsamic? And I remember just like, it was a slow day. So I was kind of like overhearing it. I was like, this stuff's aged like 20 years.
0: Like it's crazy. It's freaking wild. I don't understand like how... It's it's just madness that we're, like, selling, you know, balsamic that's, like, fake news and then this 20-year-old stuff. I don't get it. It's crazy.
1: We've since sort of tried to approximate it with, like, the cream of balsamic stuff you can get from, mm. like, Italissima, which is, like, a pretty good, mm-hmm. like, dupe, I guess, like, for the kind of creamy, molasses-y mm-hmm. texture and flavor, and, like... You know, for like twelve dollars versus a hundred and fifty, like
0: yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I do have actually some balsamic that um, Blake's sister brought us from Italy.
0: You fancy bitch.
1: I know. I haven't even opened yet. I'm like, this is so precious. <laughs> even though I don't even think it was that expensive, but it's like the bottle is so small. take like, I'll have a picture posted. Oh my like
0: god, that. that's so cute.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Have you ever, have you had, like, real balsamic, or have you made your own, like, reduction?
0: I've definitely, like, attempted my own reduction. I think I probably did a piss-poor job of it, but I've definitely tried <laughs> it. But I don't think I've had, like, proper balsamic ever. Yeah. It's hard to get. Yeah. Apparently. We gotta go to Italy. I guess.
1: All right. My last little bit here um, is about drinking vinegars.
0: Oh, my god. So just...
1: Yes, going back to the healths, um, specifically shrub and switchel. So shrub is a mixture of water, sugar, fruit, or other botanicals, and vinegar. It's often used in cocktails to to provide the essential balance of sweet and sour elements. And a very, like, a really good shrub can add a ton of depth to a cocktail. Like, I don't know if you've ever had one. I haven't anything, I, but like
0: it's... haven't heard of this until you brought it up. It's so cool.
1: Oh yeah, they're really good.
0: I'm so uh, you can make them at
1: home. I actually have one
0: right here. Did you put liquor in it or not? Nah?
1: No, this is just uh cut strawberries, mm-hmm. mint, um like
0: a little peel of lemon. Oh and, that uh, looks red wine vinegar. So good. Yeah, it's delicious. You have to swallow more into the mic for the ASMR effect. Break is drinking.
1: <laughs> it, I added um, soda water.
0: Nice. It's so pretty.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. It is delicious. It basically, I mean, it kind of just tastes like kombucha, which I personally love. So very into this. But like no slimy stringies. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm not even against the slimes. Um, mm.
0: This would be very good. I would say tequila. <laughs> mm. Well, all right. You've persuaded me.
1: Yeah. I feel like I'll like leave this. This has been fermenting for maybe four hours. Mm. For a five. I mean, not fermenting, but just like infusing, I guess, like with the strawberries. Mm-hmm. I might leave it in the fridge overnight and like refresh it with a little more. Uh, soda water, but yeah, and I'm just drinking that. Like I'm just drinking vinegar. It's that sounds delightful. Yeah. I asked you to make yourself some switchel, which is very similar to shrub, but it uses specifically apple cider vinegar, ginger, and just like a sweetener. So so I did share. that
0: i it was four cups water four teaspoons apple cider vinegar four tablespoons of maple syrup but i'd used agave because that's what i had on hand because i'm a bad canadian yeah uh and then like as much ginger as you kind of felt like you want to fuck with so i just chopped that all up i put it in there and quite frankly i drank it all before we even got here because it was so (laughs) delicious so no asmr for me but i highly recommend what did it taste like who did it it was like Okay, the recipe descriptor was like, you don't need to make lemonade now because you have this. And I'm like, but there's no lemons in it. Like, that's a stupid comment to make. But it was kind of like that feeling of, like, being refreshed after having a glass of lemonade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was definitely, like, you could definitely taste all the, like, component parts of it. But it just made something, like, really lovely and, like, zippy. Nice. Yeah. I was Perfect. just I was so jazzed on it. I'm honestly going to make that forever.
1: I love it. And like, so easy, right? Like, just so with, like apple easy. cider. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my God. And like, everybody has apple cider vinegar at home, right? Like you just chuck a little bit in that, put a little sweetener. Oh, and you know what else? I have ginger syrup. So I was thinking to myself, I'd use the ginger syrup instead of using uh, like the, the agave or maple syrup and ginger. Mm-hmm. I just pop some of that in there. Yeah. I mean, if that's sweetened. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Like ginger simple syrup is what I have.
1: Yum. So, yeah, make yourself a little uh, drinking vinegar. Send
0: us a pic on Instagram at Pantry Staples Pod. Get Um, wild with it. Absolutely fucking sloshed. We dare you. (laughs) We do. My last question is, do you put vinegar on your French fries? Um... I feel like we've had this conversation, but I refuse to season any of my food unless somebody reminds me to because I'm a fucking idiot. So if if I told you the time that I as a child went to Red Robin, throw back to Red Robin. Has anyone been recently? Have you been to a Red Robin recently?
1: Um, I famously had uh, my 22nd birthday at a Red Robin and then got into a fight with some new friends.
0: That's adorable. I think I actually had my 21st birthday at a Red Robin, which is hilarious. Or maybe it was my 19th, which would make sense.
1: We literally ate them out of unlimited broccoli because that was the thing that they had on their menu. You could get, like, unlimited French fries or unlimited broccoli. And we just, like, kept ordering sides of broccoli. Oh,
0: my God. That's so funny. And
1: then eventually they were like, we're out.
0: That's (laughs) hilarious. They have unlimited lemonade, which we did not drink them out of, but we all had tummy aches from trying. So there you go.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Red Robin. But, anyways, when I was a kid, we went to Red Robin and I was like, oh, I see these fuckers putting salt on their fries. Like, let me try some of that. Lid came off. Salt everywhere. I was so sad. And uh, I think that was the last time I tried to season my food without an adult present. Slash, I just like need to see someone doing it before I do it. But yeah, if anyone's like, yeah, I'll have vinegar for my fries, I'm like, oh my god, that's a great idea. I fucking forgot about that.
1: I feel like the kind of the same way. Um, if it's on the table, I'll be like, ooh, yes. But I, I mean, I always prefer mayonnaise with a french fry. Oh,
0: yes. Spicy
1: mayo. But I love, like, I think I like a vinegar and a french fry,
0: but interestingly, I don't love a salt and vinegar chip. Really? Those are my fave. Actually, no ketchup's my fave, but salt and vinegar's my second fave. I think in both instances,
1: I'm not against. Like, if they're there, I'll eat them and be like, oh, yeah, this is good. But I would never buy
0: them. You know what's so funny is those are the only two kinds of chips I'll really, like, go for. Ever. Like, other ones I'll be like, yeah, I'll have a bite. But, like, I'm not I'm not a chip gal, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. But now I do want ketchup chips.
1: All right. Well, that's all I've got for vinegar. Do you have anything else?
0: No, I'm just genuinely shocked that we didn't get more amped up about things today so that I could use the term filled with piss and vinegar. So if you'd like to reshoot some of this to make us seem really angsty and then throw in the phrase... Filled with piss and vinegar today. Uh, That would be great. I don't like that phrase. I'm glad we don't have it in it. Well, you're rude. (laughs) I like it so much. Uh, I think it's very fun. (laughs) Yes,
1: I think it's fun. I think it's just like, I I don't get it.
0: When you're filled with piss and vinegar, you're all riled up. How does someone get filled with vinegar? I don't know. It must have reference to like... Hmm. You know what? We should have looked this up before. Hang on. Yeah. Too late. Hang on. Nah, let me see if we're I can not gonna do it.
1: it I'm gonna end the podcast right now. Thanks How dare for listening, you disrespect everybody. Me
0: like this. The earliest citation I found is from 1936 in John Steinbeck's novel *In Dubious Battle*. Listen, Mister London said, "Them guys are so full of piss and vinegar they'll skin you if you show that slick suit outside." Yeah, I don't know. No conclusion. I'm against John Steinbeck. I am too, actually. Cannery Row is a goddamn disaster, and I didn't bother reading anything else by him. Does he have mice and men? Yeah. Mm. I just feel like white people. Ugh.
1: I just, I would just really like to move away from the idea of, like, the great American novel.
0: First of all, 100% agree with that. Second of all, I hate things with that much description. If you have to lean so... I We will agree to disagree on this, but if you... No, have to lean, I agree
1: with you. That was that oh, breath. Oh,
0: thank God, because I was like, I don't want to get into this fight with you, but I will defend my point on this till the fucking day I die. If your story requires you to describe every single thing that's going around you with so much fucking detail, you're not telling a good enough story.
1: I'm actually surprised that you're saying that because that's my number one beef with, like, most fantasy series that I've read. Um cough. I- cough. She who shall not be named Cough.
0: Ugh. You know that's
1: how she writes.
0: Yeah. I can't even look at you right now. I can't even look at me right now.
1: Dude, I Um, wish that I added the podcast earlier.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is on me. Anyways, um... I feel like there's some really excellent uh, like fantasy stuff like I just finished that book that I literally have just been telling you about uh, Neverwhere and it was so good and like yes there's so much description to it but I felt like every single bit of it was completely valid where I think with Steinbeck especially I find him it's not valid there's no point in it
1: yeah it's a style and it's not good
0: thank you Uh, okay thanks for listening to Pantry Stables. tell your friends tell your foes (laughs) Follow us on
1: uh, Instagram at Pantry Staples Pod. Rate, review, and subscribe. Nice comments are very nice.
0: Uh, Not nice comments are also acceptable, but less appreciated.
1: Yeah, no, we like five stars.
0: Okay, bye.
1: Yeah. Um, yes, thanks for listening, everybody.
0: We'll talk to you a little bit. See ya. Bye, <laughs> ay, ay, ay.